been kind of like not great lately like right like i'm not like sad but like mm. i'm not pleased either you know yeah i know that sort of feeling it's... almost like i'm kind of oh my god is there like a single word for this yeah one? yeah it's a danganronpa oh uh, i'm kind of feeling danganronpa <laughs> right now um no it's, no, it's like a more recent one. Like, if you were, like, unhappy. Oh, like, if, like, say you had, like, friends and, like, you were kind of fucking with them a bit. Like, you were playing, like, some kind of, like, Tomodachi game. Yeah. 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 Um, hello, everyone. <laughs> hello. And welcome back to AFTF Podcast, our fun things, fun podcast oh, network. Mm-hmm. You're listening to episode 38, 38 uh, on Unhappy. That's right. That whole intro is meant to teach you that the pun of the title in Japanese is that an happy sounds like unhappy. Yeah. Uh, because of vowel structure and the elimination of the schwa in a five vowel system. Was... Um, welcome. Welcome, yeah. It was it was a long walk into the goal, but I think it's just yeah. pretty much as the gods will. Wow, so true. Um gonna have to say, Battle Royale. Blue lock. Um, blue lock. That's so true. Okay. Um, you might be wondering, why are we name dropping all of these death game and death game adjacent properties? Uh, that's because Anhappy is kind of a death game or death game adjacent property. Kind of. Kind of. In Kirara. We'll get that. We'll get that. But yeah, well, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Um, so, Ronka, what is your previous experience with Anhappy? I knew the show existed. Oh my god. Me too. Yeah. I I don't think it was a show that was a Kirara for a while. I just knew there was a show called Anne Happy. I remember seeing it and thinking, this looks like a show. And I think that was before I was really into Slice of Life stuff. Because this is what, 2016? Yeah, about then, yeah. Yeah, that's. I think that's like on the board of me actually starting to like regularly watch new Kirara stuff. Uh, so I think I was just aware of it. I was like, this looks like a show like this and not pay any more attention. Yeah, that's, um, I can't even say that I was that aware of it. This is one of those shows that I found out about when we were making the list for the podcast. Um, yeah, oh, wow. no previous experience. Oh, you well, yeah, I mean, like, I don't think I'd even heard of this in passing. Um, now, genuinely, are cast and crew first, or general opinions? Should we leave the audience on tenterhooks? Oh, I think cast and crew comes first, right? Ca gotta do the cast and crew first. Okay, crew. so... Without further ado, here's the cast and the crew. Um, we have a central three characters with mm -hmm. a polite little orbit of two characters. And then we have a teacher and a funny animal. Mm -hmm. We're going to go through those. Uh, our main character is the titular Anne, uh, who's referred to uh, as a nickname Kaneko for a lot of the show. Or Hanako? Hanako. Hanako. Um, yeah, they do this thing in episode one where they say the characters' real names and they give them funny nicknames immediately, which they are exclusively referred to as. Pretty like much. The show. Yeah. I think maybe, um, maybe Hibari isn't sometimes, that's about it. Oh yeah, because, uh, Hibiki will say her full name as, like, <laughs> a taunt. Um, so we have Anne, um, played by Yumiri Hanamori. Um, some cool stuff here. We got the, in terms of shows you've watched the podcast, uh, Nadeshko from Eurocamp. Oh, okay. And Shin Sato from uh, Cinderella Girls. Oh. And I guess U149, the show that we watched. That we did watch that. 
And then um, from other stuff that I think is cool, welcome to the little Nichijou segment called Stuff That Mallory Thinks Is Cool. Um, she's Hoshino from Blue Archive. Epic. Okay. And she's Koyori, the main character from Scorching Ping Pong Girls. Very oh, epic. Very epic. Uh, a good oeuvre of Genki Girls, a nice little amount of depth with uh, Shin Sato, I would say. And then yeah. Nadeshko is, like, fascinating because... Um, yeah three different flavors of genki and then we have some like subdued um senpai types which is also very fun so See, yeah it's, good range now i feel about that thing that's kind of coming to me about uh kira fantasia is i wonder if why a lot of these like second string shows managed to get into that game was because the vas are on hand for a bunch of these other shows and that's why like, don't Luck never got in yeah honestly like maybe you're right i think that probably makes the most sense um having like relatively active voice actresses who are just also already doing MOBA gay probably makes it easier to do a MOBA game. I mean, if you're in there for Eurocamp, then you might as well record some lines for, for Hanako while you're there. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, so uh, we didn't really do the, the part that makes sense where I say who Anne is before I say who the who her voice is, but oh, yeah. Anne <laughs> is the main character. Um, so, this show has a bit of a setup. We'll get a bit more into that later, but Anne is your main character. She is Genki, happy go unlucky, oh. um, which actually verbatim is in the ED of the show. Otherwise, it would be a really clever um, tagline that I thought of, but I just remembered it's actually in the ED of the show. So, yeah, her thing is she has terrible karma, terrible negative luck, and she's been placed in a special school to deal with uh, girls who God has decided should die. Um... <laughs> And then her other classmates in the same class of Misfortune Girls are as follows. Uh, we have her um, close friend, Hibari. Um, proper name is, um, what, Ruri? Hibari Gal Kojudi, I think? Yes, that's right. Um, uh, voiced by Haruka Shiraishi, who, um, we're going to continue our MOBA game trend here. She voices a Chiyoko in Shiny Mass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in terms of other podcast shows, she was Hayu, the rocker from oh. Dropout Fruit Tart. Uh, and then in a show that is pretty popular, but I've not seen, she voices Asirpa in Golden Kamui as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh. which seems cool. A lot, lot, a lot of characters, a lot of the VAs in the show are sort of kind of playing slightly against type. Well, let's see, guys. They all seem to be VAs with a decent amount of range. I would say so. Um, yeah, it's interesting to see who they got for this show. Um, Hibari is more of like your subdued, sort of like more of the serious one in the trio. Mm -hmm. um, but her horrible fate is that she is madly in love with the cardboard cutout that they put up at uh, construction sites. The, the fat little bowing man yeah. to say sorry for the inconvenience. And so she's uh, madly in love with the cardboard uh, boyfriend that the government designed, I guess, back in the 80s, probably. And to be fair, um, it's a pretty good design. Oh, it's a beautiful little guy. I love him. But. Like I can't fault. I can't falter for this. Um, it is tragic though, and it does make her unlucky enough to be in the happiness class. Uh, and then rounding out our first little trio here, we have Botan as well, um, voiced by Kiono Yasuno. Uh, check this out for range. Kiono Yasuno. Um, wow. in terms of women that sound like Botan, is Sakura from Aikatsu. Mm-hmm. And in terms of and in terms of. In terms of range, she voices Hoshiguma in Arcanites as well. Yeah, I mean, I'd think first Natsuki for my mess, before anything. Oh my god, really? Yeah. Did I miss that? Wow. That's crazy. And Kyosole from Star Twinkle Precure. She's, she's all over. And I think she's she's one of the little siblings in Slow Loop. 
like the two yeah she is yeah yeah i think you're right yeah uh once again exceptional range uh, but in this show, Botan is the um, sickly, self-deprecating girl who is constantly taking grievous injuries because of her delicate constitution and terrible luck and coordination. Yeah. Um, I will say, uh, once I realized that it was Sakura from Maikatsu, I could not stop hearing Sakura in Botan. Like, those are really similar to me. I'll, but the I rest of the stuff we listed that. is so funny. It's, yeah. She's, she's always been quite quite varied in her roles this one is, is especially funny i feel like oh she did a great job um and then we have our little um like a slight well not even b tier but like a.5 tier cast here yeah um they appear in the op it's a great it's a gang of five but there's a central three and then the other two come in later um we have other people in the class we have hibiki um who is sort of like hibiki and ren come as a pair because hibiki um is uh terrible with direction and is constantly getting lost despite being headstrong and very eager to win despite having um no skills or qualities oh um, she's a pretty talented sculptor i would say she is i think she's an amazing artist frankly i think that she should pursue that path um and she is madly in love with her childhood friend ren whose horrible misfortune is she is constantly exuding alpha pheromones towards all females <laughs> of all species so she's just constantly surrounded by um, woodland creatures, all of which are are female woodland creatures, and is just getting freebies for like the shopping market or the fucking karaoke booth, like coupons from women on the street who go, "Oh my god, hi!" Um, so she's exactly like me and what happens to me all the time, except I get a lot of free coffee. She also has like mildly severe narcolepsy, which apparently isn't what her. Yeah, they was... don't even touch on that. She yeah. just be sleeping. I think the pheromones must cost a lot of um, energy to, to produce, probably. Makes sense, yeah. Yeah, she has overactive glands. Um, anyways, Hibiki, um, the tsundere one, is voiced by Hibiku Yamamura. And we're going to keep the Arknights train going here. She's okay. Flint in Arknights. Oh, okay. And we're going to keep the Idolmaster train going here. She is Hazuki in Shiny Mass. Wow! Yeah. And then it's we're gonna keep the precure train going, and she's uh, Cure Twinkle as well. What? What? Wait, as in as in from from Princess? Uh, I don't know which one Cure Twinkle is from. I just knew it was one that you'd seen. I think. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, oh, wow, she's they got really talented VAs this one. It's kind of strange, yeah. actually. Yeah, this is one of the stronger <laughs> casts I've seen in a long time in terms of like looking at what they do and being like, wow, that's impressive. And I should note, I actually think that these are really good performances across these <laughs> roles. Um, uh, and then Ren, voiced by Mayu Yoshioka. And we're going to keep the Arknight streak alive here. She was voicing uh, Utage in Arknights. Okay. And we're going to just snap the Idolmaster streak clean in half by saying that her other major role is Mayu in Wake Up Girls. Yeah! Yay! So that ties wug, us back. Wug, wug. This ties us back to Scorching Hot Ping Pong Girls. It does, exactly, because she did the ED in Scorching Out Pingmon Girls, uh, as well as also tying in uh, part of the Monaka stuff, because we have the Aikatsu voice actress and the Wake Up Girls voice actress, and all the music in the show is Monaka, so all oh, okay. of that's connected in my mind as well. Um, yeah, good stuff. Um, Ren's performance, good classic subdued, like, sleepy stud kind of thing going on. We're here for it, etc. And uh, now we have our two little goofy characters. We have Timothy, the funny robot bunny rabbit who helps protect the girls in the class when they get into mortal danger, which happens often. 
um, voiced by Chitose Morinaga, um, Bena from Arknights, keeping the Arknights thing going. Uh, and in terms of other podcast shows, she was Umiko Ahagon in New Game. Is insane. <laughs> which is, once again, insane range, ridiculous range. And then another thing that Mallory thinks is cool, uh, she was Shizuko in Blue Archive, who is a personal favorite character. That's the funny, extremely mad, like, she's sort of like the Shin Sato of Blue Archive, because she's like the waitress at the cafe who everyone loves, and then she goes backstage and she's like, oh, I fucking can't stand it, fuck people. And she's just like uh, griping all the time. Um, big, big fan, big fan of her. Uh, so yeah, we got uh, two Shin Sados here. Incredible. Wow. Um, and then finally, at long last, we have the uh, the teacher of the happiness class. We have Kodaida Sensei, voiced by Yumi Hara. Uh, oh. Keeping Idol Master going here. She's Takane from Original Idol Master. And then in things that Mallory and Ronka think are cool. Okay. Um, Alexandra Poshkarin from Brave Witches. Oh. Yay! And uh, also Ueda from Heaven's Design Team, the anime. Oh, cool! Um, starring alongside Junior Inoki, uh, quote-unquote, my boy. Your boy. My little baby boy is gonna break my heart. Um, yeah, yeah, good stuff. Uh, a very well-rounded cast, uh, very interesting stuff. Uh, it's kind of insane how everyone in this show is really versatile in what they've been cast in previously. I feel like I haven't seen that in, in a while, where like every yeah. single person here is exhibiting ridiculous range. They're really versatile, but they also aren't the sort of VAs who are in every single show. Yeah, yeah, they're so also not, they're not like the most popular, um, frankly, like overcast people. Like mm. it, it's, it's refreshing. Very cool. That's good. And it leads to like, um, some very good performances, very good noises throughout the show. Yeah, that is very true. Lots of good noises. Shout out to Timothy, especially. Um, let's bring it up to the quick little director and script check-in, and then we'll talk about the freaking show. Um, I think these are interesting shouts because they're not huge names, or at least not to me, but I think that there's mm -hmm. some interesting relevance. Director is Shin Onuma. Ah, um, yes. The Bakato Test director, as well as a lot of Prisma Ilya, if not all of. Yeah, he's... And then, He's kind mm -hmm. of uh, like Shinbo's original protege, like the guy yeah. who was the original. Shinbo is saying he's do well. Actually, no, he actually kind of left uh, Shaft before that became a bit too like cloyingly Shinbo's like disciples. While Shinbo vaguely didn't really do anything on shows, his like yeah, I was gonna say I don't on... think he did a lot on Shaft. He his big one was he did uh, EF, which is a really interesting show because it's very clearly. It's a show that is unmistakably Shaft, but isn't trying to ape Shinbo. Uh, interesting, and then interesting. he went and formed Silverlink, who have ah, made... formed Silverlink, eh? I think he's just, like... If not formed, I think he's, like, one of the main people at Silverlink. That makes sense. And then I think has made, like, a lot of not very good shows. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I will say, I think Silverlink is a, Silverlink is a very cool studio, uh, Silverlink did do Anne Happy, for the record. That's true. Um, and I think you see some, you see enough little, little shaftitudes here and there in terms of like how the here show and looks and how it's directed. I would say more the director's influence to me comes in like this form of a Euro Yuri kind of like gag pacing, and I think you could probably point that a bit to Prisma Ilya. Um, and potentially also something we talked about before recording, ironically, uh, Bofuri as well, he directed? Oh, oh huh. Yeah. Fair enough. 
Bo Foodie's nuts. Oh. 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 Don't do that. No. Sorry. Sorry. Bad. Okay. All right. Sorry. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Um. Uh, and then the script composition and series composition is by Jin Tanaka. Um. In terms of stuff we've covered on the podcast, uh, Euro Camp, which is a okay. pretty big one. Um, in terms of stuff you've watched, uh, Nijigasaki Love Life. Uh, oh. Oh. And in terms of stuff that lots of people have watched, about 150 episodes of One Piece over the years and several of the Precure films in like the 2015 through 18 sort of swathe there. Okay, right. Yeah. So, you know, stuff of varying quality, but lots of good jobber work to go around, I think. Yeah, it's sort of name I like I heard I was like, this is this sounds like a jobbery guy. I couldn't place anything from him even though I don't recognize the name. Uh Yeah. Oh hey, he did series composition Oshinoko. <laughs> oh, Oshinoko, that's a good show. I like yeah. Oshinoko. Um and script for all episodes, including the pre the um, the premiere. Good work, buddy. Um Dude wrote the theme song to Brand New Animal? That's interesting, huh? Wow. That's weird. Huh. Okay, oh, cool. Cool, though. Um, yeah, so that's going to be our cast and crew. Ronka, how did you feel about Anne Happy? It actually made me quite happy. Yeah. I like this show. It's cool. Um, I kind of wanted to like talk about the way that I've fallen into talking about shows in this little bit where I say, sure. yeah, it was pretty good. Um, I think when I say that, a lot of the time, what I really mean is, like, I like the genre, ergo, I had fun watching it myself, and then we sort of get really granular, we pick apart things we thought were boring or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but most of the time, when I'm like, yeah, it was pretty good, I don't know if I would actively recommend it to most people, um, we're just especially well-weathered at this sort of stuff, you know what I mean? Yes, definitely, definitely. So- This is a genre podcast for people who are at least interested in this genre. Yeah, or curious, or maybe they don't want to watch it and they're hate-listening because they think that we're just funny enough to make the content palatable. Um, in which case, that's awesome. Thank you Thank so much. You. Um, but I, I, want to pre- I, want, I want that to preface what I'm about to say. I think that Anne Happy is uh, in my top three favorite shows that are new to me as of the podcast. Wow, interesting. I, I'm not sure I rate it that highly, but I, I think it's a definitely top, top half, Kurara. Uh, yeah, I'd probably put it pretty high. I, I like, think I was a... thinking about it. Yeah, I, th- I think it's, like, top three. Wow. Top three new that's... shows. That's... Are, we, are we kind of, like, completely new? Or, or just, I'm talking like... about completely new, so, like... Okay. Like, I think my... I, I'm thinking about it. I'm, like, Slow Loop and Machikado and then uh, this, I think, probably. Okay. For stuff that I had not seen before the podcast. Fair enough. I Yeah, I think it's definitely a an up there one for me i think it's i think it's kind of interesting though you mentioned this in terms of because we we are fans of the genre this is kind of kind of different to what we normally cover because uh i'm not gonna say the show has a story but the way in which it's like structured and written and comes together i think it's actually pretty different to a majority of kira series because i know my first reaction and i this the show took a little couple of episodes to really start clicking for me. I don't know if you're the same way. But I remember thinking the first two episodes, like, these are consistently quite good and quite funny, but is it gonna kind of run out of bits, was my main fear. And then yeah. it really doesn't. 
actually like really impressively keeps on coming up with new bits and also i think starts dropping some of the bits that it sort of knows have kind of worn out their welcome yeah i think the show uh i agree i think it starts off kind of like oh this could be anywhere from interesting to kind of boring and you know i think it could also just like rest on its laurels and run out of steam mm-hmm. um and there for what is essentially like it's positioned to be sort of like a evil frigged up school with death game element but all of that being played purely for gags and instead of death game it's get a bad grade game it's life games it's yeah life games true true um more life by drake (laughs) there was the one point in the show where they literally do the squid games the squid games was very funny i was laughing so hard about the squid games um uh yeah i thought that was really good um but the yeah i think that they do a good job of being like no don't worry we're not falling into a format thing here we're just gonna get a little bit crazy with it we're gonna start weaving in some of the standard like girls hanging out stuff and just like relating it back to our insane premise Mm -hmm. which for the record is probably one of the most insane premises i've seen for a show that is kind of nominally just a gag show in a long time i'm it's very funny. It's very high concept. Yeah, I'd say this is a this is definitely more on the comedy end than the slice of life end. For I'd say sure. There's maybe comedy action is the other thing. Like mm. I, I would honestly say the other show I would compare this most to we've watched is probably Jimmy to Mary. Yeah, probably. Actually. <laughs> very totally different and the way in which action manifests is quite different. But I I would say it's definitely closer to that than it is to if you're looking for say something that's a more standard classic horror like i'd say dojin work obviously in terms of its character age and humor and the way it does things is very different to regular horror but structurally it fits very much into one into that sort of mold it like just totally makes sense that it would be part of the same not meta series but like same family of shows as like stella maho or whatever well this is kind of hard to reconcile and also the fact it's from 2016 when it feels really mid-2000s for its first stretch, especially. And to be clear, we mean that kind of in a good way, where it's yeah. like, when things seem like the mid-2000s, it's because they're weird and there's no obvious corollary for them. Yeah, pretty much. Which, frankly, is just so nice to see. Big fan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it's the it, premise. The setup is that they're at, they're at the school. <laughs> they're all at the school on a scholarship because they are all horribly unlucky in some aspect of their life, and they have to go to happiness class. Um, I, and this is not... I, if this is explicitly stated, then my bad, but the impression I got was that the happiness class is just to bring them happiness in their lives and learning how to live with their horrible, horrible um, mental illnesses slash uh, terrible karma. Yeah. There's there's some parts of it that I don't, I don't think they are necessarily that deep. But they very, they kind of mildly feel like they are saying something about the Japanese public schooling system, at points. <laughs> that is a fascinating take. I, I well, because I sort of had the opposite feeling where I was like, I think this show, a lot of its comedy comes from what I would call a realistic depiction of some kinds of menhera girls, which is like <laughs> something that a lot of people are willing to touch on, and it's very funny. Like, I don't know. I, I. I've, a lot of the show's best gags are like, why are you doing that? Oh, that's why. You should... Okay, well, that sucks. You shouldn't yeah. be doing all that, but go off. 
I, th- I think it's also just like the, the range of which sort of their their various disabilities of de- developmental disorders come through. Where we have um, Hanako, who has who has a little bit of the um, Yuki from uh, Gekko Grashi about her. Oh, a little bit, yeah. But it's like... also just by the end, I think explicitly supernaturally unlucky. Oh yeah, for sure. Like to the point where it's uh reliably uh counted on for certain effects and consequences, I would say, to, by to the, the teacher. Point... Yeah. Who is starts... special ops question mark? Who's special ops war vet question mark. She's so fucking cool. <laughs> She's so good. Um I mean there's a, there's a, I mean, I'm gonna this. There's a bit of DuckTales this the series as well. If you're a DuckTales fan, check out Unhappy. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna close that loop, don't you worry. Uh, but <laughs> But on the other hand, then you have uh, Hibiki, who just feels like she has a pretty realistic learning difficulty. <laughs> yeah, like Hibiki has some sort of inner ear infection that um, they can't do anything for. Mm-hmm. It's kind of shocking. Um, and the fact that it's played straightly for comedy, I think, is a good way to uh, work with that as a gag. But it is yes. like... Every time you're like, oh my god, it's still happening. It, it is sort of like... it. For me, at least, I think it was um, it was it was able to both uh, in- invoke uh, humor and also invoke genuine sympathy for someone who is trying her hardest and is just completely incapable. It's I think it was the bit where like uh, Ruby sees her uh, on the way to school and then Hippie's like, "Well, why are you up so early?" And Ruby's like, "I have I have my reasons." And then she's like, "Why are you up so early?" And he's like, "Well, she's like, because well, I took two hours to get into school and I can't really work around it." Uh yeah, I know and that that like. I think the show in general is quite clever in using its emotionality in ways that I think are pretty clever in terms of how to make... Because I think I've talked this about before and about how I don't really like... I don't like getting uh, keyed. And like, you know, I don't I don't like being clan added. I don't like being told, Oh, you laughed, but now it's time to feel emotional because the girl you were laughing at, you know, you should actually feel sad, or you should actually feel like, wow, something important has happened. I think the show is very good at making comedy episodes that are purely comedy that actually land on a salient moral that doesn't sacrifice any of the humour, for the most part. Yeah. If for if for a show that is this goofy and cartoonish, it avoids being saccharine? When yeah. it is trying to do emotional stuff, uh, which it, is pretty cool. It's it's deft. There's like a lot of episodes where, like, so I think like the one um, there's an early one where they get <laughs> advice from a trusted witch doctor. A trusted try... witch doctor. This is probably like the most slice of life episode of the show. Uh, to basically take a few photographs of things that are kind of lucky objects, and it works. Kind of basically they. That, and this is like the most saccharine of all of them, but even then, like, it doesn't really have any point where the characters, like, have a... There's no therapist speak moments where characters say, oh, I am feeling this way, but I am glad we had this interaction. They always bumble into something when Kodaila sends in the end goes, actually, yeah, you kind of fucked up. However, you did learn something, and it did kind of have an effect on you. And it's... While that part of the morals is spelt out, I think the fact it's... There's no point where this like, cut out the humour... It's yeah, like, and they they sort of successfully obfuscate that final wrap up until you get there. Yeah, which I think is really well done. Yeah, it's good. It's it's really impressive that they they managed to do that kind of thing. It's it's such a a common thing in these sorts of slightly absurd gag shows to have this kind of moralistic element. 
and I think doing it this deftly is is really really special. Yeah, um, I really liked it. Um, when I compare it to Yuri Yuri and the cast and crew, I mean this uh, not lightly. I think that this show is very funny. Um, uh, that is, hey, look, my opinion. Uh, Co-hosts of mine are not required to say that Yuri Yuri is funny. Um, but there's lots of little, like, I would call them meta gags that I think really got me. There's a great bit when they're doing the um, the school like uh, health check, the measurement stuff, mm. and then uh, Timothy is like, "Yeah, this machine is so is so delicate; it can measure your uh, toe touch reach down to like the millionth decimal point." And then when they go to the height machine, it measures them to a, a flat centimeter because that's <laughs> what the character bio would say in the show. And I don't know, I, I think that that's an intentional joke because it's yeah. so funny to home in on the, like, ten decimal points and then go back to being not that immediately. Uh, I, I was I was really laughing at that bit. Lots of good gags about that. I think, um, especially in this entire genre, girl who is unlucky or is clumsy and has bad things happen to her is such a foundational, like, it's like an atomic particle mm. of this kind of comedy. And so this show basing everything around that and then developing four different flavors of girl who is so unlucky that horrible things happen to her and that's when it's comedy. The, like, I think being able to have all of your jokes stem from that and come up with original stuff still is like, it was genuinely so impressive. Yeah. I was very taken with how funny this show is and the ways in which it is funny. There's a great bit where they're looking at their lunches, and she's like, I made lunch for myself. And she pulls out a combination of these sandwiches, and it's just genuinely fucking horrific. Oh, I um, feel kind of good. You want to eat the cricket? You want to eat the fucking cricket sandwich? I would eat the cricket sandwich. I trust okay. Vicky. All right. I, I, yeah, I, I trust she's Vicky. Just a genius. Uh, it's an incredible gag. Instead of being like, we talk about the purple food a lot because the purple food shows up all the time. I hate this podcast, dude. I keep saying purple food on this fucking podcast. <laughs> uh! um, anyways, when it's not purple food, it should be funny. And I think the specificity of showing eight different equally horrifying looking sandwiches that Hibiki made is just a, a beautiful attention to detail. Yeah. And then the combination gag of like later on, they're showing Botan's lunch and it's like she's rich and it was assembled by her maids. And so just in the corner, you see an entire whole lobster in the lunchbox and it's not commented on <laughs> and, and it never returns to it. And it's just such a great throwaway joke in the background of that scene that I was like, oh, oh, mwah. so fucking funny. Um... God, the cicadas just being girls screaming whenever the cicadas are popping. The cicadas off is are really so... good. Though the cicada bit is really strong. I I think that's, I think this actually has like an aspect of the machicado to it with its noises and intense like gags. But I think. Well, it's... I think that the thing it shares with machicado in that regard, it like it has the intensity of gag, but I think mm. it has this um really charming almost indie sense where it's like it's mm. the the sound effect here will be just the voice actresses yelling or like this cg is janky on purpose and it looks fucking awesome or like yeah. these transitions I... are simple and cheap looking because that's part of the the feeling of the scene is like really nice i think i think it shows us a lot greater subtlety to it the magic like yeah. magic is funny with it but i think magic wants you to know it's being funny with it Totally. Well, I think and this has... luckily it is. 
It, luckily it is, yes, which is yeah. why that show is good and not absolutely insufferable. But I think with Unhappy, it's it's so deadpan when it does this stuff that it kind of... Like, the bit where they just start fucking playing Gourmet Race from Kirby. Yeah, oh my was, god. Was, like, so... Like, because it's, it's just about Sun Love because it's, it's all these, like, I guess, a, le- a lesser show would make it really obvious what they were doing. But here it's, oh, they're in the video game-inspired dungeon area. Uh, one of the multiple video game inspired dungeon areas in the show. Yeah. And then they're doing a literal gourmet race. So yeah, you do start playing the gourmet roast song from Kirby. And I don't know, that one just threw me for a loop. Or when they go into the Coliseum and they do the Danganronpa courtroom spin around. Okay, so that was a reference because I that saw that and be. I was losing my mind. It was so funny. It, it I, I was all been. like, Iris, I think that's a reference. And Iris goes, oh my god, is it? I haven't played those, and then I, I I gaslighted myself. But yeah, yeah, that yeah, lots of good, lots of good subtle shoutouts that are very funny. Oh, did you pick up on all the char gags from like oh. episode fucking? What was I, it? Was it episode episode it's, it's five? Episode six. Episode six. Yeah. The char but... jokes are so funny. I I I was personally quite fond of how Final Timothy is just the Gundam GPO three from Stardust Memory. Oh my god. The things I don't understand. OMG. <laughs> I I do think for me, it's, I think episode five is when the show went from, I like this, but I, it slightly stresses a couple of points too hard, or I wish it was a bit less loud. I think it's when it like, really hits its stride and really gets strong. That's the, the Hibiki backstory episode, which... Yes, the Hibiki and Ren thing. Um, Let's talk about Hibiki and Ren after the break. Okay. I sure. think. Because okay. I think we should. I think I'd be curious to tuck in on that and see your thoughts. Because that is, I will say no more. I should say no more. I, I do. I do have a very sick thought about that. That I I wanted to relate to Yuri Yuri, but we'll. I guess we'll go back to that. Uh yeah. I and I mean, you know what we haven't actually. What we can talk about before the break, and what we haven't really talked about too much. And maybe uh-huh. maybe we will disagree on this one. But I think that it is kind of interesting about the show. Is it's really funny, and it's really charming. But there's no particular character that I necessarily really singularly latch onto. I like Hibiki a lot. I like Botan a lot. And the other three are generally pretty funny. But if I had a favorite character, it, it might have to be Timmy. Oh, it might have to be Timmy. DJ Timmy, Timmy time. Timmy's, oh, the fucking Timothy rap. Team with team with team with team with team. You're like, no, it's coming good. But then afterwards, after you watch the show, you stop thinking about it. Like, I, I can't want to hear it again. And you end up looking up on YouTube and go, oh man, it kind of goes though. It kind of goes. It kind of goes. Uh, when Monica is required to make a gag rap song for a <laughs> tiny animal to sing, let me tell you, they understood the assignment. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, no. yeah, they did. I-, I will actually say, I actually think Timothy's CG is also surprisingly high quality it is high quality i think like it's um this show has a a willingness to play with cg in a way that a lot of shows seem to not want to yeah and i'm really grateful that they use cg as heavily as they do and um in the same way that robert rodriguez's alita battle angel is heightened by its willingness Mm. to show the protagonist Mm. as completely uh, very digitally um, after-affected and, like, really unique from the entire scene and cast around her to make her stand out as an outsider more. I think that making Timothy be, like, a moves-too-smoothly CG animal uh, helps make him look more surreal 
in that he is a robot as well. Yeah. Like, all of that shit just works together really well. You get to do crazy gags with his legs coming to life uh, as well. The that was so fucking, scary. The fucking Timothy legs might The Timothy might legs were the, so disgusting. So fucking... They, mommy the fucking... Do you remember the... Um, the uh, you see, like, the Miku Miku Dolga thing of... Um, no, Miku Miku dancing of uh, the Miku where her twin tails are her legs. Yes, yeah, there's a yeah. name for that. I, I don't know what one. Th- I'm not enough of a Miku head to know what that one's called. But if you know, shout us out in the comments. Um, yeah, yeah, very, yeah, vibes, very like Miku with I the just... leg hairs vibes, scary. Yeah. Good, like good, like um, Kimo Kawaii shit happening there. I think it was just Kimoi, honestly. Also, just Kimoi, frankly. <laughs> Kimo Kawaii is when uh, Timothy becomes a leather daddy. No, time. he you did hard gay. He became hard gay. Oh, it's, well, hard gay is kind of a leather daddy. That's what hard gay looks like. Yeah. No, like the hat, that hat. He and does that have vest the hat, yeah. And the That's short true. shorts. Um, yeah, like a hard. I didn't think I'd see a really funny like hard gay reference in this as well. Like there were a lot of shouts in this, and I was like, okay, all right, I hear you. Um, also, the fucking uh, let's do a little reference uh, cinema here. <laughs> the fucking um, five-piece Maho Shoujo combo attack with the vocal theme, uh, with the fucking insert vocal song in episode eight. That was pretty good. Um, did you think that all of them looked like very specific precures? Because I thought that like most of them looked really specifically like Smile Precure. That's interesting. I could I could see it. I thought they were like the designs were specific enough and not just like color swaps that I assumed there was something going on, but I am admittedly don't have good enough knowledge of like that era precure stuff off the top of my head. But it would make sense and time wise and show demographic wise it makes sense. Yeah, I think so. Um it's funny because I also have not. I've seen much less Precure than you. I just happen to have seen Smile Precure. <laughs> so I hope I hope this is not me putting a, a square peg in a round hole, and the round hole is labeled one of the three Precure series I finished. Um, but but I will pull up a screen cap on the break, and we'll talk about this because I think they look like Smile Precure, in particular. Um. Anyways. Um. Anything else we should mention in the funny references shit? Not see for for references. I'm so like this is what I'm actually not doing a this show's actually three arcs breakdown because it doesn't isn't really <laughs> No, it's episodic. It, it's it, episodic. This is pretty close to being episodic. It just happens to have some two episode arcs. This is like, of also, episodicness. But also for all the Ducks, all the Gravity Falls fans out there, there's so much oh my lore God. you can dig what are you into. Talking about okay, no, but it's, it's like how there's like all these like constant minor things where like they set up stuff that's clearly for later on in the manga, or they imply some stuff about the setting, like how Class Seven has at least existed for twenty plus years. Since yeah, that's uh, true with her mom and everything. Since her mom was in it, and we also have the hair clip that lim- there's like a the power hair clip limiter. thing is making me crazy. Because she puts on the hair clip and she has bad luck, and then when the hair clip is off, something horrifying happens, and it's just not clear. And then the hair clip has, like, the same inverted, um, like, stem of the four-leaf clover as the uh, insignia on the tie. Yeah, because the only, only, only she has tie. the, the cursed insignia tie. so fucking... That shit is so goofy, they want to look up the manga, and I have bad news. Um, unless I'm an idiot, it's not that easy to find a readable copy of this online. Oh, dear. Um, I'll, I'll have a look, but yeah, I doesn't surprise me. Oh. I did want to say something that did surprise me mm. is that when I did find a couple pages just to give it a look, 
Would you believe this manga is not a four coma? No, that kind of makes sense. It actually makes sense with how it's paced and how each episode is an entire single plot, rather. So than, that's true. Than just like like several gag sections stuck together. So that's true, and that is how the episodes are structured. But this show has, um, I would say, an artful use of the four coma eye catch, interrupting brief jokes. Um, mm. Really reminiscent of, in particular, Hidamari sketch. I will say. Makes sense. In particular, because they use a lot of those screen tone and color panel effects that are yeah. really classic from Hita Sketch. Um, it, it kinda but like, this I show guess... does something different with those interstitials and those eye catches where it'll weave them into the canon action to the point where like sometimes they use this transition like oh at this point they are walking further away or oh, at this point they're going from a to b and then there's one bit where they're at the school and they're escaping the school because of all the horrors inside there and they use um an eye catch panel to show an action that had like one second of action between these two very consecutive moments like the eye catch is just woven in as a stylish way to show a thing happening in real time which yeah, I don't think I, I've ever seen before. I, I think I think what it is, it actually belongs to the thing I think we discussed, and I have to evoke this, it's really tragic. It makes you think a bit of how Achikochi was clearly biting the shaft style. Of that like honestly, early, yeah. Honestly, yeah. Like early Kira when they were clearly all trying to be at Shaft, literally you know is how A Channel and Achikochi are. Where I think they're trying to take specifically using those kind of interstitial things. And you're right, here they actually do make them into canonical actions which sounds ridiculous like well aren't all gags canon in Karamas but no it's because each episode of this tends to have an actual action plotline that runs throughout I would also say like maybe not like canonical actions but like um uh, they're literally happening in situ I think yeah. a lot of the time like um like contiguous actions that's a good way to put it like it's part it's part of the connective editing of the show is mm -hmm. like using these cutaway um, eye catches and they're consistently really stylish and they hide some really good like stupid gags in there as well um they do a lot of effort in tweaking the logo a lot of the time as well there's one that's like a big fucking like war movie poster thing some particular gag that is a little bit over my head uh and they they change the logo to match it where they give it like the fucking mill mil camo and shit it's very they're, they're high effort um uh, eye catch screens and i like them they're really good uh, yeah, I was really enamored with, like, the, like, I think the show makes some genuinely kind of bold choices in terms of its visual language between the CG and the eye catches, and, um... I do think the trade-off for that is, uh, the show looks, like, ugly or bad, but uh, there is a, you, you have to be up for that, especially, it feels like a kind of, like, light novel or visual novel adaptation level of the girls look blobby and kind of, like, babies half the time. I like, don't think it was that bad, only because the 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 gags intercut those so often that they, they're they never resting often, too yeah. long in blob mode. Yeah, but there's only yeah. like two episodes where it really comes through because they're the most characters just walking around and talking about things. Ones the mm -hmm. uh, the witch doctor one and uh, the one about the territory bozo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was a very slice of life episode as well. But it also has the bit where they explain that luck is a genetic phenomenon in humans. Yeah, and then fucking so... um, yeah, then fucking uh, Revolver Ocelot comes out and says, "Lucky gear." 
I, I do feel like this show is owing a lot of something to Metal Gear. I just genuinely can't tell what it is. <laughs> it's, I mean, they do, uh, shortly after that, introduce the woman who is racist against unlucky people and wants them to die for one episode. Yeah. Well, no, she just thinks that they're faking it, which is very funny to say about what I would call um, acts of God. There is the point where she's just like, yeah, you should just leave Hanako in the pool and run. And, like, is refuses to get Hanako out of the pool. I mean, <laughs> perhaps, but... Um, fun fact, do you know who that guest star was? Who was it? That was the inimitable Ami Koshimizu as wow. the me- the mean teacher. The, the evil woman with the funny pants <laughs> The evil, the... Imagine you're at high school and you see the science teacher and you have a fucking... You have a, um scholarship for sciences and you go to high school and your teacher is evil and she's 23 and she has a pence nez are you serious <laughs> are you kidding me right now uh you know what i i see what you mean about the the owing things metal gear thing because whenever kodaira and saganoia are just talking on their own like wow this is girls frontline so it all, all ties back together god I'm so glad it's all girls frontline. Thank you so it's much. It's all girls frontline. It always Yay. is. Yay! Yay! All right. All right. That might do it for the first half of our discussion. I think we'll take a little break. We'll come back and we'll talk about some, uh, you know, the usual, the shipping stuff, some other funny stuff, and uh, we'll talk about the mailbag as well. Woo! Welcome back. We are still talking about Anne Happy, and it's time to talk about not Anne. Well, maybe Anne. We're we're yeah. we gotta talk about Hibiki and Ren. Okay. I think, cause Ronka, I think this is interesting because I was watching it and I thought to myself, now Hibiki and Ren, sure they're Osun and Ajumi. and then episode five drops and I'm like, wait. It kind of works for me. Like, I was surprised how much I ended up liking this once they had finished all the backstory stuff. Hmm. The haircutting, the Manhara realness. 
anyone I, else? I love how the fucking babies have the hugest heads and the hugest hair you've seen in your life. That shit was very funny. So funny. But I need you to not dodge the question, though. Uh, I, so, I'm going to give a weird answer. Uh, I think it's really funny how actively awful Ren is to Hibiki. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, it's not something I really ship, but there are aspects about it that I really appreciate. And I think one thing that is really important about it is, and this connects kind of the Yuri Yuri thing, of this might be the first Kirara we've watched where a character has outright said, I am in love with another one. Like, it's often yeah. heavily implied or, like, really leaned into or obviously the author's intent, but I think it's the first time a character's outright, like, explicitly stated it, which is kind of interesting. I think this is also technically our first on-screen kiss in a Karara as well. In episode 10, when she does uh, CPR on her. Oh. Teddy, that's they show you... They show it's you the back of the head, it... I suppose. Okay. This is our most on-of-screen kiss in podcast. Of the podcast. I could, I could believe it. <clears throat> I think we'll have to give it that. We'll have to settle on that one. But yeah, I was definitely surprised when she said, yeah, oh yeah, I'm in love with Ren. But then she keeps going, uh, actually, ha <laughs> um, not. And then she does her whole tsundere routine. Um... But I thought the backstory stuff was very fun. I, I kind of like, I like how uh, how rude Ren is to her and how harsh Ren is with her all the time. And how um, Ren... Because it doesn't work. Yeah. Well, Ren, I think, does have a woman she's interested in. Poor Hibiki. And it's Botan? It's Botan. Yeah. The the Ren-Botan stuff is kind of interesting towards the I end. I like it. Like, it's kind of con constant. I was surprised at how often it kept coming up. Yeah. I, it, it, it does seem like... Ren genuinely likes Botan, which was fun, because she really doesn't seem to... Ren's just an odd character. I think just how much they lean into her just... Not... Not really... Like, she's not really a stud in reality, because she doesn't really seem to have, be very interested in leaning into her role. And she's not awfully nice. And... No, she just gets freebies some of the time, and she yeah. seems pretty... Like, she doesn't care too much about it. Yeah, I don't know. I think Ren's an interesting character. Uh, I, I will say, as a shipper, does nothing for me, but, like, I, I'm also... To me, it is part of the show's intricate comic tapestry, and I think it works well for that. Yeah, I I don't know how much I care about that ship in and of itself. I was surprised at how much effort they went into with developing their history together. Yeah. And I, I do agree with you that the Ren and Botan stuff ends up being stronger by the end. I, I or, think like, thing, rather, they are doing more with it. Yeah, the one thing I think is a bit disappointing that they didn't... That they... One of the few things they sort of backed down on the way that was actually kind of sad is early on, um, there's the wonderful bit where Hibiki's like, oh, I want to wear the sexy punishment outfit because this way Ren's going to see me and she won't keep her hands off me. And I was like, wait, this bit could actually work. But then she kind of just becomes a bit more generically sort of fawning Tsun after a while rather than like actively horny for Ren in that way which I think was a shame. Yeah, she she fell off a little bit because of her spirit getting crushed slightly. Yeah, but I, I also which, think... Which, hey, her, who among us? My favourite bits of Hibiki is, is when she is doing her, her you know, her doing her best to be on top and is not really succeeding but she's trying and those, those are the bits about Hibiki that I really do love. I think the bit in the final episode where she tries to make the parachute is so good. Oh my god, that was so good. Like, her, like, belaying down the towels, going like, wait, this isn't working at all. And then she falls, and then she makes a parachute, she goes, wait, this isn't working at all either. Um, comparing um, I did like, 
and it takes a long time for it to become relevant. But I actually thought the uh-huh. Anne and Ruby stuff in the last few episodes was quite good. In the a very... Anne and who? Anne and Ruby. Uh, oh, Anne Ruby. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's uh, it is like the most boilerplate of these kinds of relationships. But I, I tend to actually quite like that. It's. The, the, re- the reason I'm harsh on bad examples is because I'm actually very easily suckered in, in most cases. Oh, when it's good, it gets you. That's the issue. Yeah. Or when I it's understand. just, like, decent, it gets me. It just has to, like, actively annoy me and then I really hate it. Okay. Well, fair enough. Uh, Yeah, you know what? It's not bad. I It's not bad. I, I found myself just sort of, like, um writing my own show, if you will, or developing a fanfic mm-hmm. based around... um. Ren deliberately antagonizing Hibiki to drive her away out of guilt for her horrible curse of women pheromones. Uh, wow. But obviously none of that really bore fruit. But that was what I was thinking about a lot of the time um, in terms of stuff that I was caring about most. Uh, and then the Botan thing, I was like, oh, it's really easy to, to see this as either her like being like, oh, it's so nice to be with a woman who's normally attracted to me as opposed to abnormally attracted to me <laughs> or using her to make, um to antagonize Hibiki further. I thought that was I had a little bit of a, a little bit of a treat with that one, but yeah, it is not a lot, not a ton going on. That's it. I that's not out of character for it. It's not out of character. It's a thing, right? It's like yeah, her I... antagonism is so persistent. And it's like yeah, it makes sense that there'd be something behind that. I kind of wish that got a little bit of screen time, but it's it's also insane for me to be like, I wish that the the fucking bananas comedy showed a bit more of the depth on this particular aspect of the romance that they're talking about. But I mean, this show is good it, enough that I did want that. It, it so does there. go enough into depth otherwise that, that yeah, it, it, I would not have been surprised if they'd developed it further or just leaned more actively. It's like, no, Ren, Ren is actually just a bit of a bad person. Yeah, like this is, I think this has got me the most interested to read the manga, which has also then got me the most bummed to find that the manga was not something I found easily in the last two days of half-hearted search. Um, but man, if it did, if it was... Oh boy, um, would be nice. The that being said, I did look up the author. The author of the manga is um, Bing 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 Bing, bing Kotoji. Ooh. Um, they've done some other stuff. There's Asahi Ojo Sama to Kashima Kun, which I Never have not seen. And there's No Rin Petit as well, which I have not seen. That one oh. seems to be about uh, a guy and two girls with vegetables, though, which is that's, cool. Yeah, it's a spin-off to Norrin, which was a, a light novel about vegetables. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, so long story short, um, cannot find a lot of stuff on Kotoji, although the name is very familiar. I'm going to be honest with you. It's a bit familiar, but I, I don't think it's anything. Yeah, nothing that Kotoji has done immediately springs to mind. I think their art is honestly improved by the animators in the show like it's not my favorite kind of thing it's really blobby and kind of wet it looks like you know like 20 2012 clonade in a way that i mean pejoratively Mm -hmm. uh which is unfortunate but you know it's how it goes um i if yeah if you know where to read this online let me know i would like to actually read it i think um and hope it's uh about as good as uh the show that we watched uh yeah, I mean, you can't hate Kotoji too much, though, because they have just drawn art of, um... If we're talking about on-screen kisses, they, they have just strip got art on their Twitter of, um... Anne kissing Ruri. So... Oh, based. Let's big go. ups. Good work. 
Anyways, any more thoughts on the show, really, before we get into the mailbag here? Uh, uh, other ships, I, I do think the, the teacher ship, as little as it is in the show, is pretty cool. I think we're talking about things that I am making up a show about. It is about their their different worldviews clashing. And just in general, I think Sensei is in a really interesting place of how she's like genuinely quite cruel and antagonistic, yet supportive. Yeah, she is the true definition of, of um, you know, tough love, I think, in this in this context. Which is neat. And I think it's it's kind of fun how you sort of go, go through like an arc of the series of being like, oh god, is she actually evil? To, wait, no, she is quite kind. She is quite supportive. And then she just, like, gets to be evil again towards the end. But in a kind of a cool way. She... Yeah, uh, she is for real she's not evil, except for when she's just kind of being a little evil. But she, it's, it's, it's chill. It's chill. She bees evil from a place of being not evil, and that's what really matters. <laughs> I think something else. I don't, I don't. I just like. I just can come back to like how well constructed the show is, and just like, because I because I think the thing I do want to uh, emphasize just before we do on into the the thing is, if you like death game stuff, and also like Kira stuff, you're probably gonna be like very satisfied with how this threads the needle. Like, there's just like little touches that. I think a lesser show would not go for it. This is a really strange thing to fixate on, but I, I think it goes back to why the show is surprisingly well made. There's the bit where, in the final arc, where they have to find five wood carvings that they've made. They're the whole class made wood carvings. They've hidden all these different wood carvings around this huge miniature garden place, and the characters have to find it. And part of my mind was like going, wait, so you have to find five wood carvings. What happens if you find some, some other team's wood carving? And then the show just, like, addresses it, which was a very kind of death game shonen mystery way to approach it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there was, there's character attention. They're this... respecting that you're paying attention to the rule set that they cared about. Yeah. Which makes sense, because every episode is about them doing a different kind of really specific challenge. Yeah. Uh, uh, one might even say it is a not real school. Some, some <laughs> haters may say it is not a real school course you can take. However, I mean, and also like, frankly, the, the magical girl bit. Like, I know you said Precure, but honestly, it reminds me straight up just some of the stuff that happens in Kami Samanuyotori. Yeah, that is all <laughs> okay. The entire, the surrounding VR experience is very Kami Samanuyotori, but I forgot to find you pictures of Smile Precure in the break, but I will do that because <laughs> I swear to God, I'm hammering this. I'm ha I'm kicking this dead horse because I believe in it. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I feel kind of dumb because this is the first show in a while that I've liked this much and I don't know what to say about it besides it's really good and it's, it's got a lot going for it that I don't get to see in a lot of shows we cover for the podcast that are otherwise like, you know, Kirara of the month mm -hmm. type stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I tend to not really be very fond of that kind of worldview of like a show of X of the month, but I, I do think the show is... It stands apart, and I, I actually don't think I'm as fond of it as you are, but as I, I really appreciate what it's going for, and I think it's 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 just neat. It's just pretty cool. One thing I think I will say, actually, just before we move on, in terms of because I think we discuss sometimes about the presentability of shows. Uh huh. And this is in a weird place where it has like con consistent ambient fan service, but it's never really like emphasized. It's Except... also never especially heinous, I would say. Yeah. The, well, it's, like, this it's is true. pretty omnipresent and a little annoying, but it's not, like, bad. Like, 
I don't know. I think we've seen a lot of fan service that is bad, and it oh, makes me sure. kind of crazy, especially when it is able to um, successfully interfere with the show at large. And this stuff isn't bad in yeah. that way, as much as it is pervasive and annoying. Yeah, because I think it's because like, I think without that, like I think this is like a Kira you could show to kids. Like it does have a bit of a kid show atmosphere to it, with like yeah. the messages and the nature of the comedy, but. That does slightly get in the way, and it's it doesn't really stand up. The, one, the only reason it really stands to me is there's the whole bit about um, whether coffee shrinks your tits or not, and they're like, oh wait, <laughs> but which is pretty funny because then you see Sensei the scene afterwards drinking coffee when when Saganomiya has huge fucking big ones, and she's just casually drinking coffee, which I thought was a again pretty good funny little subtle gag, but. The other thing is that then you see um, Anne in like a bikini the next episode, and she is also kind of stacked. And you're like, huh? I guess this all yeah, has predilections. Yeah, I feel like the designs sort of flatten out in moments like that in a way that I'm mm. not a fan of. It just strikes me as one of the rare moments of, of, of I would say, low effort that the show puts forth. Yeah, but the really strange thing is, uh, you won't get this if you watch the, the Blu-rays, uh, Blu-ray rips, uh, obviously downloading the classic Judas batch from Nia. Uh-huh. But if you actually go back and watch the TV versions, which I did for a couple of episodes because my torrent failed, uh, there are end cards. And the end cards are like, kind oh, of there's intense. end cards? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually just going to link oh, you on the man. end cards now so that you I can see, hear your raw reaction to this one. Yeah, well, that's fair. I can't wait to react rawly to this end card. Um, uh, and it'll be up on either we'll cut us out or it'll be up on the tumblr or we'll just go and tell you to uh watch the original horrible subs release of Anne happy episode five huh interesting okay let's see this one sucker yeah, this is a little the, bit much yeah this is, this is the hibiki and ren backstory episode as well of course oh right yeah of course it it's, is. it's yeah. not even the I, one why is hibari where's... even there I don't, I don't, it's not even the episode where there is a bunny suit. <laughs> ah, Mata Miru Pion. Yeah, they did hit They did hit the Pion at the end. Okay, well, interesting, weird. I think they've characterized Hibiki well in this, so I'm not actually that mad about this, because she looks like she, oh, she's hi- making the right expression. The Hibiki's great. Yeah, great, uh, genuinely, really good drawing of Hibiki. Anyways, this is insane. Who the fuck drew these? It is, I think, by an game artist, so... Yeah, you know what? Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that I think that that's um, yeah, the fan service is like a little dumb, um, only insofar as it's like it's it's um, low effort smooth brain fan service. Uh, but it, like I said, it is not bad enough to complain about, but also it's still kind of there. So your mileage may in fact vary, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, morosely and sadly, yeah. Mm-hmm. That being said, shall we tap into the mailbag now? I think we should. Alright, okay. As always, a thank you to all who wrote in at funthingspod on twitter.com. We are still working on getting the Tumblr online to a place where we like it, like it, and, uh, yeah, um, stay tuned. Haha. <laughs> we love you. We love you. Um, first question coming in from... Oh, actually, before we get into the mailbag for uh, Anne Happy, we okay. should address a quick little addendum that was uh, sent to us late by at Hage Chico on Twitter. Hello, Starlines. Starlines! Uh, this is about Dojin work, keep in mind. And Starlines okay. mentioned something really interesting. That is, 
late to the party, but I think it's worth pointing out that you've probably seen something from the mangaka's own doujin work before. Okay. And it is, lo and behold, the A Cat is Fine 2 manga page. <laughs> That's... I, A? Impressive. B? I'm pretty sure he does, like, sub-official type moon art these days. So... That would be not surprising. That would be... That's crazy. Good for him, I guess. I guess... Good you for know him. what? I guess it continues the theme of he is quietly the most influential man in the manga industry. Like literally yeah yeah uh insane discovery or revelation uh however you want to put it thank you Starlines, as always thank our you. most bravest scholar in the world <laughs> uh this will bring us to the questions regarding and happy proper uh questions one two and three come in from at shik on twitter hello javi javi which of the main cast would get killed first in a danganronpa type <laughs> situation <clears throat> I think I mean I would I think it would be really funny if Timothy died first. Oh no no, no, no that, you can't do that. Most fucked up answer. I don't think that's that edgy. he would because he's edgy. a very ineffective robot. Yeah. Also that. Um Well, I mean like if Timothy died first then that means that Anne would go sicko cracked mode and oh. I think she would become the ace detective. That's true. That makes sense. The impossibly unlucky Ace Detective would go so hard. I I do feel Ruri is probably the most like actually likely to die first. Both. She's very victim coded. She's very victim coded. She's the character who dies the first in every thing of that genre, and also I she kind of lacks the survival instincts of the other characters. I feel like. Yeah, her ultimate curse is being the most normal one in the show. Pretty much. Which is how you die in these sorts of shows. Pretty much. Um, yeah, there you have it. And there you have it. Uh, question two is, which one of them did it? I think Botan would have killed Tiviki. Or, um, sorry, Hibari. Yeah, I think I think Botan would have done it, because I think... I think Hibiki would... And Hibiki would get framed for it, because that's her rival, who she hates for some reason. Exactly, yeah. But I think Botan would be wily enough to frame Hibiki for it. That... Using her rich girl money and powers. That makes sense. And then and then Ren... No, you know what? She probably isn't framing anyone in the direction, then Ren thinks it would be really funny to, to frame Hibiki for it. Oh my god. The Ren Botan... Are you saying it's a Ren Botan, like... Like, fucking... What's that song by um by New Order? Oh, 1968. Yeah. 1962. I know the one. 1963. Yeah, the one the one about the alternate universe where JFK uh, kills Jackie Onassis to run away with a woman. <laughs> I it, it completely deranged. Anyways, I think that that's what I'm talking about now. <laughs> yeah, I. There's a lot of layers. I don't know. I I don't know whether it would be a on purpose conspiracy or Ren deciding that she wants to assist Botan and also bully Hibiki at the same time. <laughs> yeah, she views this as bullying. That's true. Um, how does the execution go when the killer inevitably gets caught? Oh, uh, obviously oh. Botan is crushed into a fine powder and used to fertilize <laughs> fertilize um, fucking uh, plants, like bone meal. Oh. I don't know, she's already made a bone meal. Yeah, I, I don't know, maybe they like put her into like a like an iron man exoskeleton and then like fly her around like crash her into buildings so much and then she like liquefies that would be kind of incredible 
making the botan soup. <laughs> I, yeah, actually, we didn't we didn't really go through best funnies because we just only talked about how funny the show was in general. Yeah, we, uh, we I covered we, we, we most of my best funnies when we talked about it. The show was really funny. That but... I didn't mention is that every time they showed the botan injury detail, it made me laugh. Oh, so good! It's so good. Yeah, the the Mortal Kombat X rays are awesome. Just the, uh, can the you imagine cracks. they do an X ray of the exoskeleton and oh. it's just like liquid in the bottom third? That would be so funny. <laughs> Uh, okay, well that was disgusting. Good for us though. Proud Good of us. us. True Danganronpa. I was worried for a second it wouldn't be. I wouldn't be twisted enough to think of a suitably twisted and evil Danganronpa <laughs> execution, but we got there. We got there. Um. <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, thank you, Shik, for your questions. Uh, up next, we got a question in from at Qvotom. Hello, Karen. Hi, Karen. Question is, what's your favorite inexplicable anime rap moment? Because mine is still the rap battle episode of D4DJ. Uh, I believe our asker is referring to the epic Timothy pop song that is uh, a revolution in freestyle. Uh, yeah, I I think I think Timothy Timothy kind of he kind of ate it. It's pretty good. Tim, are you saying Timothy clears? Timothy clears. I the the D4DJ rap battle is like actually genuinely quite well done for what it is i i think it's cute i'm sure they have are there any others uh i th- i think one of my favorites is the scene from devil man crying <laughs> because it makes everyone so fucking mad i oh really i can't put the opposite like people like are super j-rap recommendations after that came out and they gave recommendations like oh wait maybe i don't actually like j-rap as like fair <laughs> yeah i mean like i have only heard friends of mine be haters to an extent that is not necessary for that scene, but respect, hating is important work, etc. Um, as far as other favorite rap moments, I don't know. Gosh. Timothy is so good, dude. Timothy, Timothy is, so, is so, good. so fucking good. I Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to think. It actually isn't something that comes like it's something you think should come up fairly often. Uh oh, my least favourite is I do think the rap at the start of the Oshinoko opening is Kind of bad. Have... Wait, you think that something in the pop song is kind of bad? I think something in the pop song is kind of bad, uh, especially okay. the the okay. official the official English version, where she tries. God bless the God bless her, the uh, lady Ayase from Yasumi, the vocalist. She really tries, yeah. but oh, she. I don't know why they keep on trying to record all their songs in English because I I don't think she's an actual English singer. <laughs> But anyway. Brutalized. Um, yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, I think that one of the coolest rap moments of all time is the TV show Samurai Champloo. Um, oh. Genuinely swag. Do you like Nujabes? I do- Here's the thing. Nujabe is real good without any kind of bitch in here telling you any other opinion about Nujabes. <laughs> this is true. This is uh, this is really true, but also recently I saw the um, a display that they have at the um, Shinjuku Tower Records. So that's not the super famous one; it's the slightly smaller one, where uh-huh. they have a display for foreigners that's like city pop and nujabes, which is so that is funny. very funny. <laughs> but like, I think it's been long enough. No one has to pretend that nujabes isn't quite good no, at, what, at what he did. Nujabes is very good. Yeah. Yeah, the hater wave can subside. It's okay. Was there ever, was there ever a out... hater wave? I think it's just me. Yeah, no, there was a hater really? wave for new Jabez because it was like it was it was people were like we need to gatekeep uh, the good Japanese music from people who are annoying on 4chan or whatever the hell. I remember but... this is a huge thing a couple years ago. Wow. Huge thing. 
Okay, that's. I mean, that's fair, but I feel like people like that don't actually listen to other Japanese hip hop. I'm not saying that that's not the case. I'm just okay. saying there was the hater wave. Hater wave I'm right. just saying there was a hater wave, informed I, or otherwise. Fair enough. Uh, anyways, thank you, Karen, for your question about rap. We had a really rich discussion just now. Oh, uh, I love Group Eno. Check out Group Eno. Oh. Um, Group Eno is like the the exactly one tier down the iceberg from New Javes on like, um, whoa, <laughs> Japanese rap for foreigners. But that shit is great. Patreon, uh, Patreon goal where we do the entirety of Heart. Yeah. We're starting it right now. Um, all right. Uh, thank you. Caring for your question. Up next, questions from Frain Breeze on Twitter. Hello, Frain. Frain! Most unfortunate trait among the girls? Least unfortunate is too easy. Ren. I I kind of can't parse what that second half means. I guess. I think the most Ren unfortunate trait. has the the most fortunate trait. Oh, Lisa! Oh, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm reading it now. Um, ah, I think Ren's trait is a curse. As someone who suffers from it in real life constantly, I think it is honestly kind of hard to deal with. So yeah. let's not let's not be so nice to her. Conversely, uh, so... I I know many people are attracted to two-dimensional men. So Ruri's kind of normal if you think about Ruri it. Ruri literally in the 21st century has become a standard woman. What does that tell you about our society? <laughs> um. I think it is unfortunate. I think it's sad that she will be forever cursed to be in love with a government uh, mascot figurine. Mm -hmm. But I think that she could be doing a lot worse. Definitely. Um, definitely. So that's that's so, true. Unlike a Genshin man, he might actually have ass. What if he's throwing? Uh, what if he's throwing cardboard booty ah! at the construction site? Oh, men at work keep a wide berth. <laughs> men at work. Oh my God, we come from a land down under. Um, okay, I think the worst trait to have, if you if you said which one of these would you not want to have tomorrow, I would not want Hibiki's trait because it seems to genuinely ruin her life the most. Because yeah. Anne has, like, a Bugs Bunny armor. Um, yes. Botan or Hibiki, definitely. But Botan, once again, she just seems to have, like, um, lizard regeneration properties. She does. And, and, and also lots of women love to be injured these days. Like, it's, like, yeah. this big thing. It's, it's kind a of big aesthetic. Craze. I think I think I would it, say put your money where your mouth is. Get injured. But on the other hand, Hibiki's is also like ki kind of normal. I mean, it's not normal to the extent that she has okay, it. Okay, it's normal to the extent she has it. But like, I think it is something you can work around. I guess I, I by having know. someone hold your hand everywhere. I yeah, or Google Maps. I I just think I just think she no, has. No, no. The, the whole thing is that maps don't work. That's like the whole thing is like she can't internalize spatial data oh, right, at yeah, all. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's like true. she knows where she's supposed to go and she's been there before and she just yeah, genuinely can't get there. Like she has a supernatural like inner ear so, malfunction. So so what we've decided is uh, the, the the most lucky person is the person with a moderately realistic learning difficulty. I mean, like. I I'm, not even so, I'm not even everyone disagreeing. Else is car everyone else's cartoons. Exactly. No, it's true. She has a real problem. She has yeah. a real genuine problem. You're, you're not entirely wrong, but it's it's just quite funny to consider. But and also Hibiki is really talented in literally every other respect. She's a talented singer. Yeah. yeah. Talented. Yeah. A really beautiful visual artist. Big fan of her the work. Territory Bozu. Genuinely. The Territory Bozu was so good. Like it takes a lot of inspiration to draw from those sorts of sources for like such an. In a small when the assignment was so simple she just went above and beyond you know she did. huge um our next question 
Would you trade Timothy for Ume's Metapod? I think they do different things. They do different things. I think Timothy is more powerful than Ume's Metapod. Oh, another funny gag. I liked when Timothy was constantly showing off his beams that were not very effective. Yes. And they're like, are you even a real rabbit? Why don't you have the beam? It was uh, very funny. Big fan of that. That was great. Yeah, I... Uh, man, I... Well, I when I saw this, I got confused because I was like, is Timothy meant to be the author insert for Kotoji? No. And I don't believe that that's true. No, because Timothy has too much natural so, arc going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. I... As in, like, which would I rather have floating around me in my life? <sighs> Gosh, you know what? I'm I'm gonna go on a limb here. I think I like Timothy more than I like Ume Metapod. I mean, Ume Metapod is iconic, but in terms of what she does in the show, Timothy is more fun. Timothy is it's, more it's fun. It's simple, and I I'm I know it's hard to say, but I'm okay to say that, and I'm okay to support you saying that. And, and Timothy is in the studio, and he is kind of looking at me kind of funny. So I yeah, Timothy. Oh, facts. Freaking facts. Um, yeah, Timothy in the studio with the two-gallon jug of lemonade hanging out with Timbaland. <laughs> Timothy and Timbaland. <gasps> did, did I tell you this? You know what Timbaland's name was before he was called Timbaland? What was it? His name is Timothy. He was called DJ Timmy Time. Yes! Oh, I'm so glad. And then he met Jodeci, and Jodeci said, you have got to pick a name that is cooler. <laughs> Thank and then Jodeci made him be Timbaland because everyone already knows what the shoes are, quote unquote. And it was a good call, but like, yeah, I think about DJ Timmy time all the time. I was, I, I am um, a moderate Timbaland fan, and I was not aware of that. That really, I love, I love Timbaland, and it's my favorite fact <laughs> that and so the good. Pharrell being his cousin thing. Oh, that one I knew. Yeah, well, that, that's light work, please, for any for any Timbaland enthusiast. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Timmy and Timothy got a link up in the studio pronto. Mm. And then a final little question from Frayne says, P.S. How does one tumbler? I don't know, homie. I'm still working it well, out. I, we'll, I, uh, we'll get back to you about that one. We'll have fun on it. We, yeah. we have we'll, some we'll just, really just, cool ideas coming. We have some cool ideas. We need to uh, put them on to the website. Uh, mm. We'll get there. Uh, by the time this episode is up, hopefully the Tumblr will be substantially more cool to look at. So fingers crossed on that, and I hope you enjoy uh, in the future. And if it's not by the time this is uh, you're listening to this, if it, that's not the case, um, my bad. Uh, thank Probably you, Frank, for bad. your questions. Uh, uh, collective bad. It's all good. Um, all right. Thank you for your questions, Frank. Moving on, we got some questions from at Funky Strong sixty nine. What up, Funk Amateur? Funk Amateur. This is a good like. Technically, this is more than three questions, but it's based off of a good premise, and also we are running a shorter than usual episode, so we'll we'll dig in here. Okay. Imagine a world where instead of gacha phone game, the big QR crossover game is a fighting game. Oh, what kind oh, of fighter oh, oh. is it? Um, it's gotta be one of the good ones. So it's basically this King of Fighters tag game. King yeah, of I... Fighters, but no tag, just like st- uh, staged teams. Ye- oh, as in like you can't you can't swap around teams. No, that's the platonic ideal. Ta- swapping tag fighting is uh, swapping tag fighters in a fighting game, uh, isn't fun. And I no, don't wait, like doing no, no, no. I meant what I mean is like you can't. You're not allowed to like our team set. Are you allowed to mix and match teams or not? No, no, no. I mean like the team is set. and You don't tag in match. Oh, that's all I okay. mean. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like no, you pick your yeah, team. team. You, you yeah. play King of Fighters. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I just thought yeah, that, like yeah, I know I you meant, know. Yeah, I, was, I thought for saying you meant no changing around teams. I was like, well. That, I mean, that is how story mode is in King of Fighters, with respect. Yeah. 
Which makes sense. Some of them are story mode. You can, yeah, you go in with the team. It's about the story well, of the yeah, team. Yeah, this is the think... thing. It's like I can play Leona quite well. I cannot fucking play the Barra Boys well at all. So I Carl, you to don't want to play Carl or Ralph? It's not. It's Ralph and it's not Carl. It's... No, it's Rolf and it's Carl. It's not Carl. Oh my God, King of Fighters, Leona, King of Fighters team, Rolf. It's Rolf. It's Rolf. Yeah, it's Rolf. It's no, not it's Carl. Ralph. It's Ralph with it's Ralph. an A. Yeah, you think of, you can. Oh my God. He's from the Akari Warriors. Yes. What are the Akari Warriors? Clark! It's Jesus Clark. There we Christ! Go. Very right. Fuck. Okay, well, that was fun. Um, <laughs> oh, he's based off of Stallone. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Ralph is. Um, anyways, sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, oh my god, Ralph Ralph and Clark are just Stallone and Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Oh my god. God. Because Ikari Warriors was uh, a... Oh, I semi... didn't know they were from Ikari Warriors until just now. Oh, yeah. Now. And Ikari Warriors, I think, was made when SNK were trying to compete with uh, the Commando game that had come out. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyways, uh, the Kiara <laughs> Fighter would be like King of Fighters, I think. Yeah. I think you should have Strikers, um, though. I think that like, you do need Strikers in order to properly convey the depth of, of Kiara. Strikers? Or, strikers. Like, uh, support characters you can't play as. Oh, yeah, you should have support characters for sure. You can have tag supports. That's different from tags. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Actually, I think that you should have a team with tag supports, support assists, but no tag ins. That's okay. what yeah, that that's is what I want. I'm, so then I'm... your order, then your team order matters more because yeah. you should put your best support characters in your anchor slot, but then they have to also be your anchor. I think that that would be fun. I think it'd be good. And I think that means then you can also kind of bounce it around if it's a show with more than three characters in the main cast, you have a playable three and then have one of them be a pretty good support. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. That would be fun. I, I would support that. That'd be good. Um, Who's the main character who's inevitably a Shoto? I mean, I don't think the... I think, obviously, you think of main character of Kirari, you think of Yui. I don't oh, think I it's I think of Yuno know first. But I don't think Yuno's a Shoto Well, either. I mean... You know, well, more yeah, you know, sure. you know, should just play like that one character from um, um, Arcana Heart, Aiko. Oh, oh, that'd be really cute, actually. That would be good. Yeah, yeah. Though that feels like it actually more, but who it... more like, close to Miyako. Yeah, you think Miyako's the Shoto? No, no, I think I think Miyako would play. Oh Miyako. no, no. Oh, dude, no. You know, should be drawing Miyako. Miyako should be like the big <gasps> drawing that has you know on her shoulder. Oh, that would be so good. Yeah, they'd be a great. They'd be a great combo team. Oh, oh yeah, I suppose, okay. well, yeah, I suppose yeah, and I suppose then you can have um Sae would play Sae would play like fucking law from Tekken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. That's pretty fair. Um then... wait, who's the Shoto though? Who's the Shoto? Sure, you can say who's the Shoto Kura. Um What if it's just uh what if it's Do just you know what? No, um... no, no, no. I'm going to say I know she's not your favorite. I actually think Shinobu from Kimoza. What of all of Kirara, Shinobu's the Shoto? I think she's the Shoto. Because she's okay, she's the most well, Japanese and that's the closest of you. I guess. What I was gonna say like maybe Rin from Eurocamp. She's sort of stoic, you know? She's that but no to me Rin is an Iori clone. Okay, <laughs> alright. She's just clawing at the ground all the time. She's just clawing at the ground all the time. She's foraging. All right, fair enough. I mean, she does digging for pine cones. That's true, actually. Okay, all right. Heard. Well, yeah, she has the Iori, like, just, like, the ground Rekka, but she's just picking up pine cones. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, okay. I fuck with it. I fuck with it. Um, who are the grapplers? This is a good question. I mean... 
Well, my brain did immediately say, get Moipon in there, but that's not allowed, so no. never mind. Oh, for the um, Gosh, Oh, man, this. I think that Ritsu would be a great grappler, actually. I think Ritsu, Ritsu grappler makes a lot of sense. I also think... Ooh, ooh, Koyori would use the fishing rod to do grapples. That would go kind of hard, would actually. Be yeah, that'd be interesting. That like... would be good. What, who's the character with the fucking chain? Um, oh, oh the, the big chain guy in <laughs> King Fighters. No, I'm not thinking of Ch uh, Chang Changdu Changdo. What's his name? That what guy. is his name? Holy shit! Yeah, the big guy. No, not not the not the ball and chain guy. Um, oh. you know how Ibuki kind of has like ranged grapples that are ground contact. Uh -huh. I think you could do a lot of stuff like that with the fishing rod. That would be fun. I think that would be that would be neat. I think I think making the it's name like... of the team career guy. I I I know the guy you mean. He's the one the convicts, right? The big mf'er. Yeah. Chang, yeah, it's just Chang Koihan. Koihan, okay, so it is Chang, okay. Yeah, yeah, he's cool. But no, he doesn't, he, he is more of like swinging the ball around like a big uh, battering yeah. ram. Which I feel that would be more... Hmm, I'm trying to think, who, who would be the real heavy sort of characters? I... Um, it would be very funny to have, um, the uh, fucking, um... Oh my god, Stella Nomaho swinging the computer around by the, by the oh, extension cord. Oh, no, actually, I think I think that makes a lot of sense to Shizenpai to be kind of a, a heavy, mm. slow character. She, I can kind of see her with the Potemkin stance, to be honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because the Potemkin stance is also the, like, um, when you have uh, two out of ten autism and you have to order a McDonald's stance <laughs> as well. <laughs> so you're just stuck there in line, like, I don't know if I should be further forward or further back. <sighs> And and I th I can see her getting trapped at McDonald's a lot. <laughs> the Machikado characters um, definitely have that like. Oh, they're like full projectile spam. They're, they're, like, they're, fucking, they um, feel like, like they. Like blue. Exactly. I'm thinking. Yeah, they belong to like when a fighting game either goes sufficiently long enough in general or enough iterations of its current version that you start getting like the roses and Elisas and every King of Fighters fifteen original character. Kind of, they just have, like, projectiles yeah. and float around and teleport. Yeah, I'm really picturing, like, Nu and Mu from uh, Blaze Blue on this one. Yes. Um, I I know it's an anime, and it's called Anime Fighters. I don't want the Kirara game to have double jump. I, that's too hard. Oh, Airdash? Is Airdash allowed? Uh, Airdash Air is okay, I guess, because you can dash cancel, but the jump yeah. canceling is annoying to me. I hate that. I uh, see, because I think the most um, anime fighter I think of... Uh... Arcana Heart, which obviously is also all women, and is Arcana Heart is so funny and so very funny. fun, but also the most fucked game to like try and learn anything hard in. Yeah, I just like jumping into the air and doing combos that are really simple because the game, the game is at least very friendly if you're not very really good at fighting games like I am. Yeah, I think it has the, probably the lowest floor and highest ceiling of any of those games, which is kind of impressive. Mm -hmm. Um, bocce characters. Where would bocce characters go since they are the current protagonists ooh, of Kira? Ooh, yeah, yeah. Let's 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 get up to speed here. Let's not let's pretend like we're not old people. Um, <laughs> obviously, bocce. Bochi would do ranged guitar stuff because she'd want to stay away from the action. Makes so sense. she'd sort of have like Eno so, type projectiles, I think. Okay, zoner bocce. That makes sense. Well, zoner bocce. I could see zoner bocce. Um, with, like, the mango box teleport. <laughs> like, she can, like, <laughs> teleport further away from you, like, Dulcie. Um, that would be good. Um, Kida would, 
would just be sort of rushed down, she would use her Kita Aura, I think, for some, like, knock-up oh, combos. Oh, that makes like, sense. She's like, she's, like, a character who's, like, constantly doing the, um, the Nightmare from Soul Calibur AoE thing where his sword sets on fire. Yeah, 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 but it's her phone, and it's covered in, in Mormi Aura. <laughs> um, Ryo would be like uh, i think i think ryo this answers the next question actually which is who's the weird one with rng moves i think ryo would be like rng like faust because she'd just be picking up random herbs and eating them and getting like a buff or a debuff <laughs> wait but no if we're saying random herb character then should we have to give that that true honor to uh Kanememo? that's that's not hinata though because hinata knows which herbs oh, are she good does, and bad she, that's true that's ryo true. would just be picking whatever she would just be picking them up and eating them. that's true yeah, but, like, Hinata is the very deliberate buff debuff character. Um, her RNG is the horse racing. Don't forget that. <laughs> very true. And then, gosh, what's Nijika up to? Uh, well, I guess Nijika might be... Who would... If we're saying it's teams of three, who's going to be the, the striker? Honestly, I think, Nijika... I think Nijika, Nijika would be the support character. Uh, I think Ryo might be, actually. But that would also make sense. Uh, if the support character gives you a random buff or debuff, that might be the worst uh, option in the world. That would be really funny. But you'd, you'd run Hiroi instead, obviously. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Hiroi is also rushed down. She has, Actually, like, she has like the Chen thing, where she gets to the drink meter, and then she slips on the floor and does like low to high uh, mix-ups. But it actually makes sense if it was... Bochi's support is Hiroi, um, Kita's support is Ryo, and Nishika's support is Seika. Oh, I see. You're breaking it down like that. Okay. Maybe yeah, I'm. Yeah. I'm. I'm. Well, I was thinking the supports would be would be um would be like you could swap and swap out. Like you'd have like three playable yeah. characters per franchise, and then you'd have a roster of supports that you could pick. That from. makes sense. But I guess it makes sense. Those maybe each roster was each support was kind of designed to work with a particular character, and then you can mix it up. Again, thinking about Arcana Heart. I'm sorry, I'm just thinking about Arcana Heart a lot right well, now. Well, no, so but Arcana really Hearts is the opposite, where you can apply any support to any okay. character. That's what I mean. And like... yeah, some are designed for other ones, but like, oh, so you're saying, oh, I see. Oh, yeah. okay, you're saying, you're saying the smarter version of what I'm saying. Okay, got it. Yeah. yeah. Heard. <laughs> I understand now. Uh, okay, and then finally, who has the day one easy infinite? Oh, oh it would be so funny if, I'm... um... I, honestly, it would be very funny if Anne had just, like, a uh, short Gatling into short Gatling. <laughs> because she's just she's just like that. And then they nerf her into the dirt day one patch, and then she's never played again. I, I think I think Nene having a, a Mr. Heart or Hugo from Street Fighter 3 Second Impact style janky graphical infinite that just rams the opponent against the wall for, like, would be really 40 funny. seconds would be really good. That would be really good. Because it had the most annoying fucking sounds. In a, in a, as someone who likes Nene's voice. Yeah. But yeah, it would just be, no, that would be really good. 40 seconds of her saying the same two or three voice clips over and over again. And it would be really good. Like, one of the greatest ways to play a fighting game is to find a character where the way their voice sounds is automatically BM. <laughs> e even if you're losing the match. That's the way to do it. That was how my boy played Bang Shishigami. He'd be like, um, this is a new Kemi. This is a new Kemi, just constantly. And it's I'm winning when I hear oh. that, but I hear that and I go, fuck, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Greatest English voice acting in a fighting game of all time. Uh, all right, that was very right. fun. Thank next, you, Funky Next Patreon goal, uh, full-length build the roster episode where we discuss the Kirara fighter. Yeah, we'll get a spreadsheet. We'll, we'll fucking, we'll really break it out here. Um, yeah, all right, there you go. Uh, thank you for your questions. You. Up next, questions from at Real Pandemonium on Twitter. Hello, Real. Whoa! Up here, what's up? 
<laughs> oh, RP, what's good? Uh, question one. Will you be covering the Kuhn shows? Ranka, no. what is that? Uh, Comic Kuhn is a separate magazine. I can't remember if it's one of those weird ones that like advertises itself as like shoujo manga for men. Or it's, no, I think it's just huh. based around being moe stuff. It's interesting. I think it has a lot of relevant stuff to what we are talking about, but it's not Kokirara. And honestly, I think a lot of them are kind of mid, if I remember correctly. So we will probably cover them at some point once we finish actually getting through all the Kirara stuff. But I, it's not really my priority. We have seen a couple of cute things. Um... Oh, Panda Piece is uh, Comic Cune. Panda Piece is. Uh... Oh, Shimeji Simulation is Comic Cune. Okay. Oh, Go I didn't know that. Alert. Uh, yeah. I know. There's a couple which I thought were. Um. Kira's that one. I think Alice or Alice is Comic Yes, Alice, Alice or Alice is Comic Cune. I'm seeing I... Nyanko Days on here as well. Don't know that one. I've uh... seen Nyanko Days around as they're, they're tiny cats. That's whatever. Oh, okay. Oh, well, I, I mean, I do like tiny cats. Not being derisive due to lack of information. <laughs> oh, speak it. Speaking... Oh, here's a list of all the animes that there's been. There's been five okay. animes. Okay. Uh, Panda Piece, Nyanko Don't Days, not. Hinako Note, oh, yeah, Alice yeah. or Alice, and Miss Vampire Who Lives in My Neighborhood. Oh, okay. I've heard. Oh of wow! That. So all the adaptations happened between 2016 and 2018, and that's that. Interesting. <laughs> Makes sense. Huh. Uh, Hinako yeah. Note feels like something I've wanted to see that I've I've never seen. Yeah. Interesting. Uh... Yeah, uh, yeah, they'll come along at some point, but they are the mix of not super well-known and also not Akirara. Like, the stuff we're doing that are not Akiraras are either shows we feel very strongly about, we have a specific angle for, or are really popular. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's sort of how we break it down, honestly. They're either for clout or they're for us. It's e They're either for us episodes or for us bracket the industry episodes. <laughs> But I will say, actually, speaking um, of uh, tiny cats and visual references, the cats uh -huh. in the final episode that bite uh, at um, Hanako's hand look so much like the Asmanga Dayo cats. Oh, I, I assumed that that was a deliberate uh, gag as well, honestly. Yeah, because but like that... even the bit itself of like every day on the way to school getting bitten by various cats constantly, but just taking that to 11, which I thought was adorable. Good homage. Yeah. Good homage. But yeah. Uh, I think I think that's the question. Sure, at some okay, point. Cool. And I learned about what uh, Kuhn is, so thank you. Uh, and then the second question from RP is Mal. Please watch last season's Goat Edomai Elf? Question <laughs> mark. Um, homie, <laughs> let me tell you. I will. I would love to. It sounds good. <laughs> Ronka, Ronka really guilted me into thinking that I missed a gem. It's on the list. Right after I'm finished watching Do Ra Ra Ra. Um, which I'm watching right now. And also, once I'm done, uh, The Righteous Gemstones, which is the shows oh, that I'm watching right Righteous now. Righteous Stones is pretty good. It's pretty good, dude. It's pretty good. Um, baby, Uncle Baby Billy is such a <gasps> goaded character. He's so fucking funny. I love- Walton Goggins is so fucking funny. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, so once I'm done, those, I'll probably start Out of My Elf, which would be a fun one. Alright, and now we're on to our favorite pairing of all time, um- <sighs> Say thunder? less, say no more. And the lightning? You know what it is. The lightning and the thunder. Let's start with the lightning. 
making the sound that lightning but not thunder <laughs> makes. Anyone? Um, yeah, we got questions in from at Beam Poster, a classic traditional Iris lightning run. Thank you, Iris. Iris! It's been a while. It's been a minute. Welcome. What would your misfortune disorders be? Oh, I think if you mean if I was cursed as I am right now, it would be inability to uh, uh, smell anything, I think. Oh. Or taste. Gosh, that would be really difficult for you. Um, yeah, I would hate that. For me, I think it would be... Uh, gosh. I... Uh, oh, I'm, you're going to have to I'm choking. I'll let it out, don't worry. We never choke on lightning run, homie. Ah, I'm trying to think it's like not too like personally revealing because it's kind of one of those questions that's a bit too deep. <laughs> uh, uh for, oh no, uh, for me, uh, it would be an inability to use Microsoft Excel. <laughs> the the Excel crasher. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you get into the workplace and everyone goes, "Oh my god, that's wrong." Everyone calls them extra small because they can't even open Excel. <laughs> Um, what, next question, what mascots are you in love with? Um. Oh, so many. Fuck, dude. I'm in love with Medusa from Hades. Is that a fair answer? Am I allowed to say that? You can. Okay, well, that's my answer off the top of my head. That was the first one that came to my mind, so. Uh, I think, I think the one who I'm, I'm super huge love is a uni from Mucal Genie. The funny little hat, the funny little oh. cat with the hat. Uh, epic, legendary fail boy. My, my, my favorite. Oh. Actually, uh, on that note, I would probably add Usagi from Prepara onto that list. Yeah, well, Usagi, Usagi's good. That's, that's an actual... That's a, that's a, a, a gay little country. fail man. One of the goats to ever do it. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm, he's a rabbit. I'm quite a big... Rabbits make for quite a good mascots thing. I'm just quite a big mascot person... In, in general, is is the reality. You know what? I'm a big fan of Slowpoke. Ah, oh, yeah. Interesting call. Because Slowpoke's cool. one of those Pokemon that, like, is very iconic and is not very relevant in the games too much, except for, like, some plot stuff. Mm -hmm. But then, like, it's in a lot of merch and stuff. It's a very Everyone appealing design. That. Oh. that bright pink pops. The bright pink pops, and whenever they make Slowpoke and Psyduck hang out, it's just like... Oh. Yeah, that's true. I would say to that same extent, um, I feel like, I feel like Bulbasaur is the most forgotten Gen 1 starter, yeah. but I do think it's maybe the cutest one. I think it's the cutest, uh, it's probably my favorite of them. I think it has, jokes aside, the most evergreen of the final evolutions, where like- Literally, it, yeah. It has like, because I think Charizard looks kind of lame. I never really liked Charizard, and I like it less as time goes on. Blastoise is like theoretically cool, but the cannons looking so mechanical, I think- has aged slightly weirdly. It's a I bit think... of a turnoff, yeah. Yeah, but Venusaur, I think, just has this, like, charisma and presence and almost, like, over-designedness compared yeah, to what it appears. I feel, I feel like they really tried to return to... Yeah. Pokemon keeps trying to return to, like, the quadruped dinosaur thing, and I just don't think any of them are actually as good as Venusaur. Yeah. Which is like, fucked, because they've done, like, a dozen. They did Torterra, like, which is just worse Torterra, Venusaur. Torterra, they did fucking, um... Oh, what's the other one? 
The one that's like the pangolin or whatever. That guy's big. Is that guy quadruped? No. Uh, uh Tropius comes to mind. Oh, I like Tropius. As, actually, as a... Tropius is, is Tropius is cool, but it's not as cool as Venusaur. Venusaur has that pink that pops. Yeah, I, I think Venusaur is. And also, if you actually played the game, you realize that you know Venusaur was actually the best one to choose in the game because it was the strongest. I mean, that's definitely true. Um, Ivysaur is my favorite. Uh, like I think favorite looking Gen One Pokemon. If I had to say. Oh, that's a fair choice. I just think I think it's a perfect middle evolution. It just looks perfect. Like the little snaggle to the detail um, is just spot on. And also, I like its shade of green the best. That's, Out of the line. Uh... That's got a delightful fucking teal going on. Big fan. Uh, also basic, but big shouts to Kirby. Kirby is pretty pretty fucking pimp. Kirby's let's let's be pimp. honest. We got to give it up for Kirby, folks. Um. Yeah, dope. That is we, that is a little off the beaten path there, but we talked about mascots. Next question. Is Timothy the best breakout of 2023? I think Timothy might actually... I think I think it's not even like Timothy is next to Battle of Atlanta. I think he already is. Yeah, here's 10 Timothy tracks you haven't heard <laughs> but should have heard already. <laughs> Timothy w it got snubbed on XXL 2017, oh. and they can't go back and add him now. They just have to admit that they missed out. You missed out, but you know, if you were there, you knew, and we all know. Yeah, and and that was what, the, dude. The scene was so good around that time. We can never go back to that. Back. I think Kobe really tore apart that touring scene. <laughs> um, but man, what a time to be alive. Oh. Um, next question: Does Ren have narcolepsy, or is it on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> Would be really funny as a way to antagonize uh, Hibiki more subtly. Uh, I think. There's just enough show things in the show that like suggest it is genuine because she goes to sleep when she's surrounded by the animals in the final episode. Yeah, that's true. I was thinking about how good that sleep must be. Can you fucking imagine? Oh, except when she gets like just she's sleeping. Well, yeah, that part's hard, but dark. like everything else would be great. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of the the common sea of Kiraras. Mm hmm. Yeah, that does show up a lot. Um, next question. Would you benefit from happiness classes? No, I'm actually perfectly mentally well. I and think... I don't need help. I'd be happy all the time. <laughs> I I think, while, while this is obviously a very easy to thing to joke about, I think it is like kind of one of the things that kind of does underpin why the show is good. This, like... Because I was just like, why I think... I don't think the show is, like, genuinely incisive about like the Japanese education system or anything but there is just this like little recurring undertone I think especially comes into focus in the Saga Malia episode which is basically about like yo all these people should just be literally not allowed to go to school because they are mentally deficient is pretty much her stance which I don't know I, it just like something about it is just raw enough but hidden with humor that makes me think the author Maybe doesn't necessarily relate to it or feel particularly strongly, but has at least thought a bit about the implications of the happiness class and what it would mean in a certain sense. I don't know. What I'm trying to say yeah. is, I think, I think, it's, I think happiness classes, I think, would be very good for the people who need them, and I think, you know, there are probably many people who we know who could have benefited from happiness class. That was a really honest answer. Let's move on. <laughs> no, I feel that. That's that's that is that is true though. Um... There are a lot of people who could go to a happiness class. Maybe I would have. I think when I was 14, I, think I, I think probably when I was 14, should have been in happiness class. I think I class, sure happiness class. 
<laughs> That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Um, final question. Which girl would you like to see as a Yukuri the most? I don't know. The chibis are kind of Yukuri already. I mean, like, I should have good. But that, you know, the that chibis the, are good. The bit in the opening at the start, uh, when it's them running around the little, like, Escher diagrams, is, is really oh satisfying. God. That's, like, that should be one of those, like, most satisfying anime clips to it. Yeah, I actually agree with that. They're just perfect loops. They the background reminded me of like a um, rhythm heaven game as well. Yeah, no, they really are like that. I would play the fuck out of the Kirara rhythm heaven game since we're talking about games spinoffs. That would be solid. God, society of rhythm heaven got to make any more games ever, ever, ever again, <laughs> ever. Okay, oh, I got sad about that at the end, but that was a good lightning round. Thank you, Iris. Thank you, Iris. Uh, and then the thunder round. Thunder. <laughs> thunder all through the round. Um, shout out to Mean Machinery with some thunder questions for us. Hey. Question number one: How does Ruri's objectophilia mental health scale her against other Kiraras who are S tier? I'm assuming <laughs> we mean S tier for most damage mental. I I assume so. Uh, let's see here. Let's fucking see here. Because I think I think positioning Rui as the most damaged one is kind of interesting. Because I I kind of agree in a way. Like because... I think that she has the least. She has the fewest outs. Yes. It will be the hardest for her to recover from what is happening. Exactly. Um. She got. She's got. That being said. High. Okay. Yeah. In many ways, she has it more together than I'm gonna say the entire cast of Ochikobori Fruit Tart. That's true. The entire cast of Echikore Fruta are, are very, very, having, you know, high They are unwell. Is sort of unwell, alright, aside from her debilitating crush on Eno. But, you know, at least that's on a real living human being who would sniff her tits. I think everyone else yes. is having a pretty rough one, though. That is true. Um... Uh, oh! Speaking of, um, Hashia Bayana Soul Works, uh, Forgot her name, Rose Girl from Hanemata. Ooh, ooh. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah, 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 she yeah, yeah, is yeah. genuinely up there. Yeah, she's she's going through it badly. Um, poorly going through it. Uh, yeah, those are our answers. Uh, for that one. Um, yeah, Ruri is up there though. But I think honestly, like. No, she's no, yeah. She's very high no. functioning. Aside from it, is the thing. It, it's she's a very space. high functioning, but that you can. I mean, like you saw her her middle school trauma, her betrayal trauma. Betrayal <laughs> to trauma. to uh, borrow from today's uh, everyone's favorite uh, funny TikTok on Twitter today. Um, I haven't seen that. Wow. I just love uh, I'll link betrayal you, I'll link you it later. It's a little bit funny. It's also like a little bit really depressing. Um, yeah, her betrayal trauma from her middle school. Uh, disastrous social situation uh has had a lasting impact on her but she's healing because she has that's right beautiful friends mm-hmm. um question number two and happy have more action set pieces than the average kirara any favorite and what makes a good kirara action sequence um well i think we have like three shows to choose from here <laughs> Uh, I think good, I think we're talking about favorite set piece in Anne Happy. Oh yeah, I know. But it was like, what makes a good cure action? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, there's still some things to talk about. Like some things about, yeah. Like you I know think... what had a lot of them that we think we haven't really discussed is um, what? 
uh fucking sorry my brain is shutting down uh a channel has a lot of chase sequences it that does. are shot like an Quite action you know like there's stuff like that where they're clearly borrowing in a way that can be done goodly or badly it's goodly fair. jesus christ <laughs> okay no, i'll say something even worse uh i did appreciate the really big mapper vibes and the volcano chase sequence at the end it was good. I liked how I liked the weird camera swooshing around. The constantly. camera swooshing. It was, kind of, it was kind of sickening, but it worked out good. It was good, and the fact they had like the cube rocks, it was. It was yeah, good. I I honestly also really really liked um the uh, Precure uh, parody bit was very that funny was to me. Just well done. Yeah, it was it was genuinely well done and looked cool and good. The they were had some good watercolor effects on um on Kodaira Sensei's horrific aura of demon power, that was like yeah you know what they put it they put in their effort on this one they put in the time on this one I was very ha- very happy to see those. Uh, and now our final question about Kodaira Sensei. Oh wait, what what, what, what is what made it go to cure action sequence though? Oh sorry, I thought we did. It was when it looks cool. Yeah, it's when it looks cool. Sorry, it looks cool, wait, wait, okay, okay, that's it, not yeah. I, I will I will say one thing. I think it's a kind of simple answer is. It's it's the same as what animates any good show in action sequence, is that it uniquely uses the characters' identities, skill sets, and backstories to inform what's going on in the scene. I would even go so far as to say a good QR action sequence is much like a good Jackie Chan Hong Kong action sequence. Okay. I think the best ones will know when to incorporate humor mm. and when to draw from the uh, setting in a way that is quirky and funny and is like equal parts like like good slapstick and also good oh shit that was awesome yeah like i think uh, all of the random objects like sensei is hopping around is kind of funny the entire circumstance is very absurd um and it's also kind of awesome it reminded me of some police story bullshit you know (laughs) when it's when it's good that shit is police story you can take that to the bank or the shopping mall as in police story um, I gotta watch some more Jackie Chan, actually, I think. Or just John Woo in general. Yeah. I've been thinking about Face Off a lot lately, too. Face Off is I, fucking hysterical. I, I really want to watch Equilibrium. That's John Woo, right? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, it's got guns in it. Yeah, it's John Woo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah, those are our answers. It's, uh, it's not by uh, John Woo. It's by Kurt Wimmer. Oh, okay. I have to leave that in because other we sound very wrong about John Woo right now. Yeah. Oh, the Point Break guy. Oh no, wait, he did the 2015 Point Break. Am I having a what the hell? What the hell? He did the 2015 Point Break. That was a 2015 Point Break. Yeah, the original was Catherine Bigelow. Shoutouts to women in cinema. Um. Okay, well I'm confused. Oh, this motherfucker did Sphere. Oh my God. Wait, no, that's not the other one. No, it is. The Sphere is uh, the all-time best bad movie I've ever seen on, like, a bus I'm, trip somewhere. I'm not familiar with Sphere. What's on about? Oh, man. Sphere... Okay, I'll t- I put a pin in this. We have to move on. Okay. But, um, uh, go watch Sphere is my answer to what makes a good uh, Kirara action sequence. Sphere's entire sequence needs to shoot <laughs> This is a nightmare fucking discussion. Oh, man. What a fun mailbag. Final question. Um, is Sensei an evil hero or a good-hearted villain? I think evil she hero. is a evil hero, for sure. Because she's doing the right thing. She's just built army different. 
and she's running her class of women who are very unwell, like the Navy, which ultimately is to their benefit. Yeah. No, Even if it's she's, hard. She's hard, and she, you know, she does appreciate genuine effort. And She does. I, and it was quite sweet about the hot spring at the end. Like, I, I, it was, actually, you know, another thing that was actually quite good about that final arc is that I genuinely wasn't sure the protagonists were going to win or not. Yeah, yeah, I actually wasn't sure how they were going to hash it out, which I think is one of the best signs of, like, a good, funny game, death game. Funny game. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah alright. Um, you. thank you, what a great mailbag. As always, check us out on Twitter and hopefully soon on Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Um, more on that later. Anyways, um, what's up? Let's wrap this up. Let's wrap up the show. so. Mallory, what's what's your thoughts on Anne Happy? I really, really liked Anne Happy. I was surprised at how much I really, really liked Anne Happy. Um, it was an exceptionally good blend of comedy and just a touch of what I deem to be like genuine romance, to be frank with you. And it Fair. tied the comedy together with something that really had heart in it about women who are very unwell. And have problems, and they find the solutions by working together and becoming the best friends of all time. Um, in the way that we said that, I think a channel is like a really good like like hi, like high watermark for like what is a baseline watchable Kirara, and like a channel is like just the 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 measuring stick for that. Yeah, I feel like and I, I feel like and I think that that's shifted over time. Let's be honest that's with you. That's possible. I am yeah. Um. But I feel like Anne Happy is like my high watermark for like what makes a what would I deem a great comedy. I think Anne Happy is just right in there. This is up there for me with like Yu Yushiki. Um Asobi Asobase came to mind as well, frankly. Um I My Me is up there as well in this sort of same category of like comedy shows that are genuinely really like just I find to be outstandingly funny. Um, yeah, I really like this show. I wish I had something a little bit smarter to say about it, given how highly it's going to rank in uh, our, like, podcast wrap-up. But, yeah, loved it. Great show. You can, you can work on that when we do the, the end of podcast season bit. <laughs> oh, thank God. Okay, well, I'm glad we did this one early. So, there you have it. Yeah, I, I really liked Unhappy. I thought it was really good. It's not a slice of life series. It's a highly varied, non-lethal comedy death game series. And I can't really think of many others that are like that. And I think it is really lucky it positions itself very well in that it doesn't come off as, like, I think sanitized or boring like a non-lethal death game could be, because there's already a lot of death games about cute girls, so it doesn't actually feel trite in that way. And all its emotional aspects are so well integrated, as we've discussed. It's a really crafted show, and it would, it would be a really easy thing to mass recommend if... Honestly, if you're into anime, it's just that the things that we've mentioned maybe being slightly off-putting are not going to turn you off i think it's really really easy good recommendation the production it's pretty good it's very silver link uh it has some great moments visual ingenuity some real sparkles generally you know a lot of inventiveness alongside some real bug face baby mode bits but you know like we said not too bad now i think one thing where i did differ from mallory is that i had this show as curiously low on yuri which i think speaks a lot to what i got out of the show uh, I that. mean, I think that I'm not saying that Yuri was prominent, but I'm saying that when it was the focus of the show, I was like, you know what? Fair play. It's 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 interesting. It's more explicit than Yuri Yuri 
is about the stuff. Lit- oh, very much so. But also, Namori is definitely um, more unwell than um, um, Kotoji. And I mean that positively. I mean that negatively. I know, uh, and that's but- why we're an amazing duo. <laughs> but if you think about it, like, people like ship Danganronpa characters a lot. And honestly, there's never quite that much material for that in the actual games when you play them. Uh, oh, for sure. And and I honestly think, and again, this might be a personal different thing, the cast is not my favourite Kirara cast, is the really weird thing. But it doesn't matter, because this is a show that is explicitly the sum of its parts. It's all built together so well. It's off the wall, it's inventive, it's weird, and genuinely really funny. So yeah, I'd say Anne Happy made me happy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. That's true. Um, yeah, it made me made me happy as well. I liked it. I I I was an happy watcher of this show. Let me tell you that. Hey, uh-huh. I guess you can say all's happy that ends happy. Yep. I actually um, got a bit emotional at that last bit. We can say that. Yeah. I. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was. It was know, so it sweet and beautiful. Be, yeah. It made me and happy. Uh, to, it made me and happy co-host of this podcast. Um, <laughs> hey, what's our next uh, show? Well. Mallory, I think, uh-huh. you know what, this show took us to task, but next time, it's time for a show to take us to town. That's right, Castle Town Whoa. Dandelion. You didn't even know this one was a Kurara. I didn't know this one was a Kurara, because I remember this yep. being mildly popular when it came out without realising its relevance to Kurara at all. Pretty I said, much. The, season, the season is pure Kurara, we're going to be talking about stuff that you don't yes, remember. more like... <laughs> more like uh, Castle Town Dandelion. More like um, Castle Town Tumbleweed. The way that no one will have seen or know what this show is, except for us after we watch it. So mm-hmm. we're looking forward to being the first time you find out about Castle Town Kirara. But yeah, until then, Mallory. Did was was this week's fun thing fun? Yup, I enjoyed it. This thing, this 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 week's happy thing was an happy thing that we watched. Glad <laughs> you finally worked out the pun in like the last ten minutes. Oh yeah, so <laughs> worth it. Like, je- like, of the book. So so worth it. I'm so glad I got there. Um, <sighs> all right, well I gotta hey. go. <laughs> okay, me too. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to episode 38 of Our Fun Things Fun podcast. I almost said Our Fun Things Happy. Got way too excited about the Anne Happy stuff. You've been listening to Anne Happy episode of AFTF podcast covering Anne Happy. Thanks you for joining us. As always, our interstitial music is taken from the show's soundtrack. In the break there, we heard... From the character song CDs, bop bop bop, let me pull this up real quick, that's the wrong folder. We heard the character song for the Hibiki, Knock Knock Map Map, and currently we're enjoying, obviously, what else but the iconic Timothy rap, uh, full title being called Nichi Nochi Moshi. Michi no chi moshi kimi no mo chi kimochi. Holy shit, that's such a tongue twister. 
Michi no chimoshi kimi no kimochi. Oh my god, how does he do it? He's so incredible, he's so talented. Thank you for listening. Join us in two weeks' time. We'll be talking about Castle Town Dandelion. Have fun finding that shit on the Torrance websites. I know I will. Until then, bye bye.